We're using artificial intelligence technology to help our buildings optimize our energy use. It's like we're we're doing this without having to invest in new HVAC systems. Like in fact, this solution just connects with our existing HVAC systems and autonomously sends real-time optimized control commands based on weather data and utility data to help minimize the energy that's required to maintain the best, like most optimal temperatures in our buildings while reducing our emissions. And because our HVAC units are running less, um, we expect them to last longer. And on top of this, we're already seeing energy savings and cost savings. Hey friends, if you like the Nexus podcast, the best way to continue the learning is to join our community. There are three ways to do that. First, you can join the Nexus Pro membership. It's our global community of smart building professionals. We have monthly events, paywall deep dive content, and a private chat room, and it's just $35 a month. Second, you can upgrade from the Pro membership to our courses offering. It's headlined by our flagship course, The Smart Building Strategist, and we're building a catalog of courses taught by world-leading experts on each topic under the Smart Buildings umbrella. Third, and finally, our marketplace is how we connect leading vendors with buyers looking for their solutions. The links are below in the show notes. And now let's go on to the podcast. Welcome to the Nexus podcast. This is the sixth episode in our new series, diving into case studies of real life and large scale deployments of smart building technologies. And today we have a story coming from Sleep Country's portfolio of several hundred retail stores that installed smart thermostats and overlaid Brainbox AI's advanced supervisory control software to optimize all of them in tandem. So I have Mary de Guzman, Director of ESG at Sleep Country. Welcome, Mary. Can you talk about a little bit about your background? Sure. Thanks for hosting, James. Um, in my role here at Sleep Country, I, I lead and influence our ESG approach, including developing and implementing our comprehensive strategy for our company and delivering against our ESG goals. I play a major role in collaborating with the leaders of our organization and integrating our ESG strategy across the business. I'm essentially tasked to turn our strategy into action and lead the management and an implementation of our strategy, um, our environmental and philanthropy programs. And my background is in uh, environmental management, um, and I also have um, certifications in um, lead and also um, uh, risk management. Who's all on your vendor team if you think about um, putting together this team of experts. Who, who's that team? So we partnered with Brainbox AI out of Montreal, Quebec, and it's a team of engineers, um, HVAC specialists, uh, project management, um, just my my sustainability gurus when it comes to emissions reductions. And how many buildings did you install this technology in? We installed it in 214 of our retail locations across Canada. And how, how many how many square feet or square meters, depending on which one you want to use? We are in 1.1 million square feet of retail space. All right. And when did you start this project? So the project initially kicked off back in November of 2021 um, to plan a four-store pilot. And the pilot started in January of 2022 and ended a month later in February 2022. Uh, then we planned for a greater rollout um, that um, you know had installations start at in April of that same year, 2022, and it completed November of last year. 
And what have what are the results you've seen since then? So I'll start with our four store pilot. So the the pilot again consisting of four stores located in the province of Quebec in Canada. Um, the square footage of our um, you know was about twenty thousand square feet, um, about five thousand square foot like per store. And um, what we saw was a fifteen percent reduction in HVAC equipment electricity use and about a 19% reduction in the HVAC equipment gas consumption. Um, they annualized the reduction in the HVAC equipment electricity cost to be about $4,850 Canadian, um, and an annualized reduction in carbon emissions um, by about 15 uh, tons of CO2 equivalent. Then for the first 49 stores that we, we had 49 stores in, installed and able to get data from June until December. So we saw out of the first 49 stores, a reduction, an average reduction in HVAC equipment use, electricity use of about 24%, and an average reduction in HVAC equipment gas use of 22%, and overall about 11% reduction in our energy bills. Um, carbon emissions actually, so it was calculated to have been reduced by 23% um, from our HVAC carbon equivalent emissions. Cool. We also have Omar Tabla here, Chief Product Officer at Brainbox AI. Omar, thank you for coming and welcome. Can you talk about your background a little bit? Sure. Thanks for having us, James. Um, so I'm the product uh, lead at Brainbox AI. I've been here for just under four years. It'll be four years in November. My background is in uh, smart buildings, so HVAC control, lighting controls, system integration, energy management. Um, I've worked at uh, GE, at the Tech Controls, amongst other places, and happy to be with you here today. Mary mentioned the results that they're seeing. Can you talk about your other customers and sort of is that a typical set of results for um this type of technology being deployed at a pilot and then rolling out to to more assets after that yeah so we're seeing very similar results across different types of uh, portfolio sizes and different sizes of buildings which is interesting um, one consistent note that that we uh, we see is that the the gas savings are consistently higher than the electricity savings kind of like what mary mentioned um, which is an interesting thing to observe uh, generally speaking the, um, the technology has been scaling well with square footage. So in a big, let's say, 1 million square foot building versus a smaller, you know, 5,000 or 6,000 square foot store like Sleep Country, we're, we're seeing kind of a linear relationship between the performance of the technology and uh, the energy saved. Um, it's, it's also interesting how the, the different, you know, kind of stores located in different places also... Uh, react differently as as you know based on not just the climate but also from a decarbonization perspective um, depending on the the source fuel of the electricity or the energy being used so in Quebec for example like Mary mentioned we did uh, the first few stores with sleep country and there's hardly any uh, carbon emissions associated with the electricity because it's mostly hydro Quebec so it's kind of almost zero uh, GHG um, emissions factor Whereas in Alberta, uh, there are some stores there where it's uh, mainly coal that is used to generate the electricity, so much higher um, emissions. So I think we're kind of seeing uh, retailers uh, kind of become uh, and owners kind of become aware of this 
factor and start to hone in on those locations that have a, a much higher uh, carbon intensity per square foot, not only uh, energy intensity. Awesome. That's a great segue. Mary, I wanted to have you ask about something you said at the beginning, which was um, your net zero by 2040 target. Can you talk about sort of um, that roadmap? What do you have to do to get to net zero by 2040? And then the role technology plays in that roadmap? Yes. So our overall goal is to be net zero by 2040. And more broadly, to play our part in battling our climates, our plant's climate crisis. Um, so Having, you know, our collaboration with Brainbox AI to install the AI-enabled thermostats is just one of our ways we're working to achieve this goal. We're also exploring electrification of our vehicles in our fleet. And we're also installing electric vehicle charging stations for our associates to use to also help, you know, um, the acceleration of the adoption of, of EVs um, in general and looking also at other technologies within our warehouse and retail locations like LED lighting and sensors um, so that, you know, equipment is, is only on when it when there are people in the building. Technology is playing a, a big part of, of our strategy. Cool. And if we think about this HVAC controls project, can you talk about sort of the beginning of this? And it sounds like you came in after the initial pilot um, was already done. But maybe go back to the beginning. Why did Sleep Country sort of start down this path of HVAC controls and then the carbon savings that could be had there? So we have rooftop unit-based heating, ventilation, and air conditioning systems. And our HVAC controls were not connected to a sophisticated building automation system. They're manually controlled. And, and the problem was they were running essentially 24-7. <laughs> um, and, you know, Buildings in buildings, the HVAC units. I was educated um, by Brainbox AI on this that our, uh, the HVAC systems account for about forty percent of a building's electricity consumption or energy consumption, and of that, about thirty percent of it is just wasted. So that, again, this identified an opportunity for Sleep Country to um, to tackle um, and, and optimize our energy consumption, looking at putting in AI-enabled thermostats on our HVAC systems. Um, so, you know, like you said, the phases that we went through, we started um, the pilot just to make sure that, you know, with proof of concept that we were actually going to see results um, from our locations. Um, so we launched the pilot, analyzed the results, expanded the project to our portfolio of retail locations across Canada. And again, just initial uh, results from the 49 stores I mentioned, we're already seeing um, positive results. And so we're now we're just waiting to collect a whole year's worth of, of data from all sites um, and, and get a, an, an actual, you know, cost savings, energy reductions, you know, um, just just an accurate picture of it, just exactly how much this project has impacted, um, you know, the reduction of our greenhouse gas emissions uh, for, for Sleep Country. Um, and sort of our next phase, we're looking at um, rolling into the same technology into our distribution centers. So we have 20 distribution centers across Canada. Um, so that would be sort of the next step. Um, also to catch up on the um now that you know the heat pump technology um can work with the ai enabled thermostats that will also be something that we'll add on to the roadmap um, going forward omar can you talk about the sort of the 
technical side of this, like it sounds like there are um, thermostats, they came and they're internet connected and then your, as your software sits on top of that. Can you talk about how that works and how it sort of improves upon just, you know, obviously there are different options from, you know, going from a building that runs their HVAC 24-7, you could add a schedule, you could add a programmable thermostat, you could add a internet connected thermostat. And then I'd say the, the cream of the crop, it sounds like, is to add your software onto that. So can you talk about the benefits that you guys provide versus those other sort of more basic options? Sure thing. Um, so let's start with what we have in the store. So in the store, um, prior to the deployment, um, you have to imagine there are typically two to three rooftop units per store. Each store had a standalone thermostat um, on the wall, non-communicating thermostat. And the project was to remove the old one, put the new one on the wall. The new thermostat connects um, via the store Wi-Fi and dials out to the BrainBox cloud automatically. They're pre-programmed kind of to auto-connect. And um, this checked one of the boxes of the IT team and the cybersecurity team at um, at Sleep Country too, as you can imagine. And the uh, the goal then is to be able to dynamically read and write and release to this thermostat from the cloud. So what does that actually mean, right? So the, the new thermostat is connected to the same wires that are coming out of the wall, right? So you have Y1, Y2, W1, W2, and so on. So it's controlling the same rooftop unit, the same equipment, like Mary indicated earlier, except now each of these points, whether it's the the fan command, the cooling stages, the heating stages, the onboard temperature and humidity sensors are all visible from the cloud, and they're also writable uh, as needed. So what our system does is it not only brings this data up into the cloud, but then it augments it with weather data coming from the closest weather station to the building with utility tariff structure of each individual store, with the emissions factor for the energy being consumed by the store, and with uh, the occupancy pattern of the store. And so the, the algorithms that we have do different things. So for example, a, a good example of where AI it really shines is the modeling of the thermal behavior of the store and being able to predict space temperature in every zone of the store two hours in advance with over 95% accuracy. So then you say, okay, cool, Omar, you can predict temperature. How does that save me energy, right? So we use the prediction, which is, let's say, zone two in the store is going to be 76 or in Celsius, let's say 23 or 24 degrees uh, Celsius. But my set point is 21 or 70 degrees. I don't want it to get warmer and then cool back down uh, given today's weather. I just want to stay here. So what do I, what is the right time to start the unit in the morning so that I minimize energy consumption and at the same time I satisfy the comfort need of the space. So the, the algorithm will actually dynamically write to each rooftop unit in each zone in every store every day to figure out the exact right start time and the exact right stop time to coast into the close. So that's an example of, of a kind of a real world AI use case. And I, I would imagine that, you know, there are a bunch of different types of rooftop units in the portfolio, right? There's probably 
um, very simple, like no ventilation style rooftop units. And then there's everything, like you mentioned, heat pumps, Mary, where it's probably variable speed, everything with separate outside air dampers. Um, Omar, can you talk about how the software sort of responds to the different complexity or lack of complexity in a, in a given unit across these hundreds of stores? We've established now that there's a connection, a live kind of link between the cloud platform, the Brainbox cloud, and the individual rooftop unit. And to your point, James, each unit has different capabilities. And so what our algorithms are good at is figuring out automatically, well, for example, this rooftop unit has an economizer, this one doesn't. So when do you engage the economizer and benefit from free cooling? And when can't you, right? So this automatically happens in the background and the, the algorithms will then engage the right point and be able to write again back from the cloud down to the individual rooftop unit to engage that piece of hardware uh, and, and kind of execute the energy conservation measure that is needed at that point in time. And, and this is done um, without a human in the loop. Um, kind of one of our differentiating features as a technology is this ability to autonomously write back from the cloud to individual units and their subcomponents. Okay, so something that's really striking me here is we've been talking about decarbonization a lot and the value of controls and decarbonization is unquestionable. But what you're also like, it's really striking me here too on the operations side of things. So what we described here is 200 plus stores where there was very little data, very little digital systems and very little way for the, these, these buildings to be managed remotely. Right. Um, I think a lot of people take the uh, building automation system for granted nowadays where you can log in remotely. And mostly those are in the top 10% or sometimes the top 2% of buildings. What we're talking about here is smaller buildings that don't have the ability to log in remotely, change anything. And so, Mary, can you talk about the, the people that are running these buildings? I'm imagining it's not 214 of them or 200, one for each store. It's probably a few people and they're running around like crazy trying to keep these stores on um, up and running. So can you talk about the value of this project in, in their eyes? Exactly. So, so James, there are actually only two <laughs> um, amazing facilities management team members that we have running the country. So they're responsible for the facilities maintenance at our, now we have close to 300 stores in our portfolio and 20 distribution centers across the country. There was no data before um, for the HVAC units. So we're, we went from, from like zero to like, you know, a hundred really quickly. And um, so it's, it's been um, great for them to now have, you know, dashboards that they can access remotely. Um, you know, one, um, so if there's ever issues at a location, they're able to, to, to see the performance of that particular building all from the comfort of, of um, wherever they are in, in the country. So absolutely, um, we, we don't have uh, building automation systems. And so in effect, like having the AI-enabled thermostats installed and working with our HVAC systems, you know, essentially we're able to control um, the temperature for the occupants of those buildings um, at any time. But because of the system, the building, is, it's, it's a smart building and, and now, you know, able to um, adjust, you know, autonomously to the occupant's comfort based on 
you know, whatever the weather is supposed to be like and, and um, uh, you know, optimize based on um, utilities, tariffs information, all this information that's coming in externally um, into the algorithms. And then, and then it does its, its magic and, and it just, you know, creates for the optimal conditions in our buildings. And not only for the occupants of our buildings and our customers' comfort when they come in to try our mattresses, for example, but the mattress has to perform optimally at, um, you know, at certain temperatures. So it can't be too cool, for example, otherwise that foam mattress is going to feel firmer than it it normally would. So it's really, really important in, in our retail environment that the temperature is, is optimal at all times. I once had a mattress like that. that if it got too cold, it was like a rock. Yeah, I know how that is. Omar, can you talk about um, if you're looking across your customers and different asset types, this small building space where there isn't a whole lot of controls seems to be a real sweet spot for your technology for this exact reason. The ability to come in and do a, I don't want to say do a better job than an FM that would be, you know, changing set points themselves, but do a job that they can't do across 200 stores for two people, right? Um, so can you talk about the sort of the operational value? And it really seems like this sort of setup that you guys have here is a scalable one for this smaller building space that, you know, people in our audience know we've been studying this for many years, where this is a huge opportunity from a climate change perspective for our society to actually start to control some of these units in these smaller buildings that don't have control systems. There's a very large number of buildings, to your point, James. Um, we're talking about Canada and the US, for example, where um, their rooftop unit or some sort of packaged unit type of uh, conditioning unit, um, HVAC unit, and with standalone controls, typically not connected to anything, right? So it's a very large number of buildings um, and a very significant opportunity from a decarbonization perspective. The solution that we have is very scalable to your point. And maybe I can touch on an example, like a little mental exercise. So it, we all have a thermostat at home. We all know the temperature that we like to set it at. Maybe some of us, when we're leaving for a few days, will kind of shift it to a different temperature set point to reduce energy consumption and so on. So this is this is not that hard. Let's be honest, right? So you can do it. You can think about it. You, you know, it's easy to do. But if you had three homes or five homes or 100 homes, it starts to get kind of a bit much, right? And so something that is not so difficult in, in an individual unit becomes cumbersome or even cost prohibitive because we can't hire that many people. We don't have that many hours in a day to be able to do this manually. So it, it calls out for a scalable cloud-based autonomous solution that's able to make the right decision. Uh, at, a, at a geographic scale like Canada, where you have, you know, literally thousands of miles between the stores um, and being done autonomously 24-7 is something that is necessary for this solution to scale. So what we're seeing with Sleep Country, what we're seeing with other retailers is, to your point, yeah, it is a really good fit. And it does address these kind of low-hanging fruits from an energy efficiency and decarbonization uh, perspective. The unit is the unit. It's still there. It's still conditioning the space. It's just doing it with the benefit of the guidance of the AI's prediction and being enriched with weather data and tariff data and emissions factors data that we bring in in the cloud. Okay, let's talk about um, lessons learned. So uh, I'm curious that 
while this is like a really good fit, it seems like I think with any sort of rollout across hundreds of buildings, like we're talking about, there's always some sort of challenge and it seems like you guys have probably overcome it, but I'd love to hear for future buyers of this sort of solution. What would you tell Mary? What would you tell future buyers about your challenges that you know they're going to run into and they just need to know about it up front to make the process smoother? One would be um, regarding internet issues. So um, some of our thermostats were not able to connect to the Wi-Fi at select locations. And that was a challenge with Sleep Country. I mean, we just needed to work with the Wi-Fi vendors to provide an updated Wi-Fi solution to resolve the issue. So it was just, you know, us having to upgrade our, our Wi-Fi systems at some stores. Um, I think the second challenge would be um, with with people and, and behavioral um, and, you know, education and, and making sure that, you know, when when we rolled out this program, you know, we we sold it as their, you know, artificial intelligent, you know, thermostats being attached to our HVAC system. So it's going to make the building smarter and it's it's going to, you know, autonomously, you know, automatically adjust the building temperatures to, you know, the optimal temperatures. And there were the odd times when the occupants of the building would come in two hours earlier. And like Omar mentioned, you know, the, the building is is able to predict, you know, two hours in advance what the best temperature at the zone would be, what, what's the best time to to turn on heating at the right time. Um, for example, and then, but if we had our associates coming in to say do inventory two hours earlier on a Saturday, um, the building needs, the, the occupants need to know that for that first time that's going to happen when you come into that building, it may not be at the optimal temperature at that moment because the building, you know, the algorithms have to kick in and, and the building has to learn your behavior that every However many weeks, two hours early on that Saturday, you're going to be in that building or somebody will be occupying that space so that they know, you know, the building knows, okay, in, in this zone on, you know, every, you know, fourth Saturday of a month, it's it's going to have to have somebody in two hours early so they know to kick in and optimize for that zone um, at that particular time. So once our people knew that this is how this, you know, technology works, you know, then, then it was a piece of cake and, and it avoided, you know, those calls to our, our, you know, facilities management team, you know, that, you know, why is it too cold? And, you know, I came in and this is supposed to be a smart, you know, building in us. And, and so, you know, once people learn that, no, the building has to learn, it has to adjust. And, you know, once, once you get over that hurdle, it's, it's uh, no problem. Imagine there's a, there's a, like a, a dual, education that needs to happen, not just the occupants, but also the FM. And we haven't talked about like service firms, right? So we're, there's probably service contractors that come in and, you know, maintain compressors and change filters and stuff out as well. Um, I would imagine educating those folks to let them know that this is happening is important as well. And that was actually related to one of our, our challenges that we had. Um, so the contractors that we engaged so they are also the same, um, you know, people who maintain our equipment. So they were, you know, um, communicated to to help um, install these units um, with Brainbox and, and knew about the project. So making sure that whoever you're using to help maintain your equipment, that they're brought on board. Um, and one of the challenges we had was um, with scheduling or, or the commitments from our contractors for the actual installation of these units. Um, 
there, you know, when we were going through this project, there were some major heat waves going on here um, in some of our locations across the country. And, and so some of the installation dates we had needed to be either postponed or moved um, as those contractors needed to prioritize, you know, urgent maintenance visits over our planned installation schedules. So um, that was the only other sort of um, hurdle that we encountered throughout this, this whole project. Um, so, but that you raise a great point, making sure that our contractors are brought on board um, in the early stages so that, you know, they're aware of what we're, you know, what our project's all about um, and that we're putting in these AI-enabled thermostats and, and um, you know, actually at the end of the day, um, these contractors are coming in less because um, our units are running less. So it's it's actually extending the life of our HVAC units and, and um, uh, we're seeing, you know, less maintenance uh, is being required on some of these units. Go ahead, Omar, if you had something to add there. Yeah, so just wanted to tag on to what Mary was saying is is that indeed the um, kind of one of the, the challenges with a project like this is always to kind of manage cost, right? So there were some, some decisions that we made uh, together with the Sleep Country team just to ensure that, that we did that. So uh, one of these decisions is what Mary mentioned. So we leveraged the existing service con HVAC service contractors that Sleep Country uses across the country. And uh, we asked them to add a little bit of time on their next planned maintenance visit, thereby avoiding the, the cost of a net new truck roll. And this time was then used to replace the thermostats like we discussed earlier. Another um, item that was important is that, that we're leveraging the Wi-Fi of the store. So this is something that is uh, the guest Wi-Fi that's available already in the store. So this avoided us the cost of having to install a gateway and some sort of you know, telecommunications solution. Um, all of these things add up, as you know. So we were able to contain the cost as a result of that. And then um, maybe last but not least, back to your, to your earlier question about the service contractors, they, they got wise to the fact that now there's data. So now our team gets calls from technicians randomly that are going to stores saying, hey, I'm about to show up to the store in Victoria. Can you tell me what's going on with the rooftop? So it's, a, it's an interesting kind of development now where they're also benefiting from the availability of the data and the solution. And Omar, you, we've been talking a little bit about occupancy. Mary mentioned the, somebody coming in early on a Saturday. How does the technology understand what's normal in terms of who's occupying the building and, and what schedule they're coming in at? When we onboard a building, uh, we work with the owner and the, the managers of the facility to understand what the occupancy needs uh, and patterns are of the facility. So it would be something like, well, you know, employees come in to do inventory, like Mary said, uh, you know, two hours before store opening. Store openings are always from 9 a.m. and so on. Closing is at this hour. So that that part is ingested into the, the platform and it acts as a constraint for the AI to, to govern with. Um, the um, the other interesting thing that we do is that we also take um, uh, people density and occupancy data from different sources, uh, and we use that to inform how the algorithms govern or, or optimize the HVAC system during the day and at night. So this is also kind of an overlay that we add on in the cloud. Got it. Got it. It's from things like people counters or other ways in which maybe the retail organization might have a way in which customers are being counted, that kind of thing. Exactly. So depending on the source, then each portfolio tends to have a different kind of data source, but uh, we have different uh, sources to be able to, to do that. 
Okay, so let's pretend there's a, a imaginary retail organization out there that's listening to this and they want us to provide them a playbook that they can copy this approach. So Mary, can you start us off? What are the steps that other buyers can sort of copy to follow this approach? And then Omar, if she misses anything, you can chime in after that. Uh, the first step would be to um, engage with a, uh, a great vendor and work with a team that can you know, work with the schedule. Again, our facilities maintenance team, we, we do have a very um, small but mighty team. So to make sure that, you know, we can coordinate um, with our contractors, you know, um, right from the beginning, um, have a, a kickoff project meeting with all the stakeholders involved, you know, what, what the goal of, of this project is. Um, I recommend starting off with a pilot just to see, to make sure that, you know, your technology will work with with um, the AI enabled thermostat solution because that is one thing that it, it we didn't catch that in our pilot um, you know that the fact that the AI enabled thermostats were not compatible with the heat pump technology that was at some of our locations so um, yeah if we caught that in a pilot then we could have adjusted then the second stage would just be you know after going through a pilot to you know, plan um, a, a rollout. And that's where, you know, really having that schedule working with your contractor, mechanical contractor is really important. And, um, you know, the team at Brainbox, we had regular meetings, uh, regular weekly updates. So we knew um, if there were any challenges, any hurdles, any barriers that, you know, we needed to try to work together to uh, overcome. And, you know, we, we worked the schedule, we completed the project relatively on time and on budget. Um, and I, I think essentially um, it's as simple as that. And, and really that's where I want to try to encourage other retailers out there of, of any size that if you don't have a sustainability subject matter expert on your team, you know, don't wait for them to come and, and you know, map out a, a great sustainability roadmap to get you to net zero, um, you know, before you start you know, any initiatives, um, you know, to try to curb your, your carbon emissions. You know, I, I just feel as a sustainability, you know, expert in this field, I just, I just think it's so important to act now. And, um, you know, all of the small actions that we take, if, if we all took them, you know, we can get that much closer to, to tackling climate change together. I know, Omar, if there's more that you want to add to, to the, the steps in our playbook, I think you said it uh, really well, Mary. I would just say maybe to the listeners that um, kind of having been around this industry that that really there is a lot of technology kind of coming into the market. And it's not just Brainbox. There are a lot of vendors out there that are really interesting, doing very cool things on the lighting side and on the heat pump side, on the equipment side. So there's, there's a lot going on. And there are now resources. Actually, James, your website is nothing to sneeze at. You have some great... Uh, educational material there that I think can be super helpful for people that want to get up to speed as to kind of who's who in the market, what are they doing, what are the new trends and what technologies are available. So feel free to reach out to the different, uh, I guess, market participants, companies, contractors, and talk to them and see what solutions are available. Again, uh, for each subsystem in your building, that there's a lot going on. And I think it's really encouraging to see how everybody's really rolling up their sleeves. It's really, really nice. Yes, I would second that. Thank you for the shout out on my own show. I appreciate it there, Omar. One of the things that I would put into the playbook there if I'm collaborating with you all is is making the business case. 
So can you sort of both talk about how a future buyer of this sort of solution might think about making the business case to the higher ups? Um, and I'll start us off. They're going to need to think about um, what are the energy savings estimates. So maybe you, you got an estimate in your pilot project, and then you extrapolate that out throughout the rest of the portfolio. Um, and then there are the the costs, right? So understanding, okay, before we just had a bunch of dumb units throughout the, our portfolio, and now we have software costs, um, a little bit of hardware costs with the thermostat. Um, how, how should Mary, how should this business case get made and how, how do you guys make it to the, to the C-suite to make them understand the business value of this, this sort of project? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think like, you know, what you start with data and, um, a lot of companies struggle with this. Um, so, you know, what you would need to collect first of all is, is your utility data. So your, your electricity, uh, consumption data, your utility bills, uh, gas bills, um, and start with that. And you can use that data to calculate your scope, what they call scope two emissions. If, if you're not familiar with with um, the different greenhouse gas emissions, either scope two, your uh, purchased electricity use, right? Um, so um, that would be a starting point is, is kind of as, as a baseline. And, and then um, kind of narrow your scope as to, okay, if we're going to focus, like we focused on our retail network, for example. So um, the 200 plus stores um, and then and then isolating that data to look at that um, on its own. Um, I think to build the business case, you know, once we, we use the pilot to um, kind of test, you know, what the proposal was from, from Bearing Box AI and, and what the projected reductions we would expect from electricity use of our HVAC systems and then also from our the gas consumption um, and then the actual cost savings. Um, so so from that pilot, um, we were able to bring forward the case to our our um, senior leaders to say, okay, you know, we are seeing um, the technology is working, you know, and in the in the month that we put it in our forest or pilot, um, so, you know, it, it, it matches what was presented to us in our proposal. And then based on that, if we extrapolate that against our 200 plus stores, there could be really significant cost savings here um, and a lot of other environmental benefits as well. So building that case to your your C-suite, your board, I mean, that's obviously, you know, the a, a great starting point um, in, in making sure that projects like this can get off the ground. Just from our side as a vendor, we we kind of are aware that there are different stakeholders within the the let's say the, the owners environment or the retailers environment. So we try to address them uh, with their needs and speak to them in their language. So for example, we have financial metrics. Um, what is the payback? What is the ROI? We have um, uh, sustainability metrics. So what kind of greenhouse gas emissions uh, can be avoided or reduced? We have um, the facility maintenance stakeholders, right? What kind of visibility, what kind of scheduling and alarming capabilities are available? So all of these stakeholders, I think it's important to understand A, that they exist, and then B, that they need to be addressed within the sales process and communicated with early on so that they understand uh, kind of uh, what their outcomes are going to be when the project is concluded. Totally. Okay. So any, are there any other things that we didn't cover that would be good for someone that is following along in, in your footsteps here, Mary, uh, as we kind of, kind of close out this conversation? Right. I just think I can't emphasize enough the importance of educating 
uh, the building occupants, um, you know, getting in touch with the the landlords of the buildings that you, you may be occupying space out of. Um, and then also the um, you know other stakeholders like like um, Omar mentioned our facilities management team, our real estate team, um, connecting with finance and um, uh, you know and, and getting a hand a handle of all the bills and and finding out you know knowing exactly you know what this project is going to entail and and what it means when we're we're making our uh, building smarter with with artificial intelligence and and I think um, you know just having that uh, open uh, communication and dialogue early on in the process is is really important. Good old fashioned change management, I guess. Exactly. There you go. All right. Well, thank you to you both for for coming on the show. It sounds like an awesome project, and I agree with you, Mary. It seems like more retail building owners should be thinking about copying this approach. Okay, friends, thank you for listening to this episode. As we continue to grow our global community of changemakers, we need your help. For the next couple of months, we're challenging our listeners to share a link to their favorite Nexus episode on LinkedIn with a short post about why you listen. It would really, really help us out. Make sure to tag us in the post so we can see it. Have a good one.